Soundstretch. Welcome in, everyone. This is another episode of Catfish on Ice with your host, Chad Benson. Rolling solo tonight. My good co-host, Rich Howe, has some things going on with his family. He is spending time with his family, and that's awesome. And so I'm rolling it solo tonight as we just watch the Preds somehow gut out a victory over the Ottawa Senators as they continue their push for the playoffs. Welcome in, everyone. We are presented by DraftKings and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Have some things to get into tonight, obviously, as the Preds get that win over the Senators. This is episode 119 of Catfish on Ice. Glad to have you joining me. This is Chad Mittenrode. All right, so the Preds just beat the Ottawa Senators 3-2, and the big storyline is obviously Roman Yossi. He's been the storyline all season long, and he's the storyline tonight, obviously. He just set the new single-season record for points in a season for the Preds, breaking Paul Crea's record. It's been standing for over a decade now, and he literally made it clear why he should not only be the Norris Trophy consideration leader, but also Hart Trophy. Yes, we're talking Hart Trophy here because that goal he scored tonight for the Preds was Hart Trophy type of stuff there. That gave me Hart Trophy vibes because the Preds had just fallen behind. They were just kind of in one of those lapses that they go through all the time defensively. And here you got Roman Yossi who just figures out a way to get a big-time goal. And I'm telling you, these are the types of things that a a, a team MVP does. And the, I, I can't really figure out why Roman Yossi is not getting talked about more. Not only in the, the uh, Nashville community, but also around the league. And I think he's finally starting to get, to get more attention. But this is like historical stuff we're seeing here for a defenseman by Roman Yossi. And I realize that Nashville is always going to be a football town. And it's always going to be a Titans town. It's always going to be a Tennessee Vols football town. But I'm telling you, the stuff we're seeing from Roman Yossi right now is his truly historical stuff. He is on another level. He's been doing it for months now. And it's just crazy to see it because we're. I'm starting to become numb to it. Like, he has another three-point night tonight, and it's becoming, like, expected. And that's that's just crazy to even say that. The, we're starting to expect every night for Roman Yossi to have a two- or three-point night by a defenseman, by a defenseman. And I get that Cal McCarr is out there. And he is also an equally great young defenseman who plays very similar to Roman Yossi. He, I know he plays a lot better, analytically speaking, on the defensive end. But you cannot deny what Roman Yossi is doing this season for the Preds. And if you took him off the Preds, I'm telling you right now, he would. the Preds would be a... They would be hanging out with Arizona and Chicago down at the bottom of the division if you took Roman Yossi off this team. My co-host Rich Howe says it a lot, and I totally agree with him. If Roman Yossi was not on this team, the Preds would not, not only would they not be sniffing a playoff spot, but they would be a drastically rebuilding team, much like the Arizona Coyotes, much like the Chicago Blackhawks are right now. So Roman Yossi has another huge night for the Preds, and I'm just telling you right now, it's like, 
crazy to watch. And it's not even just Roman Yossi, though. It's really crazy to think about how the stars are really aligning for the Preds this season. No pun intended, considering that a team called the Dallas Stars is breathing down the Preds' necks for a playoff uh, spot right now. But the Stars really are aligning for the Preds this season. When you think about their top players all having career seasons, Philip Forsberg, Matt Duchesne, even Ryan Johansson is hit the 20-plus goal mark. Ryan Johansson has never been a big goal scorer since he's been with the Predators, and really for his entire career, he's never really been a big-time elite goal scorer, but he's up there with 20-plus uh, with goals this season. He's figuring out ways to make things happen. When you think about all these top players who are figuring out ways to finally produce for this Predators team, and yet still there's a chance that this Predators team will not make the playoffs. That kind of breaks my heart a little bit. And I'm not trying to be negative right now because the Predators, with this win over Ottawa tonight, they do have a four-point cushion now over Vegas, who is just fading so fast right now. Vegas is just completely falling apart. They are probably the bi- one of the biggest disappointments of the league this year is definitely the Vegas Golden Knights. But it's still very possible with this many games left in the season that the Preds could still miss the playoffs. I'm sorry, but it's true. And so you think about everything that is broke right for this Preds team this year in terms of their top players. We don't even have to talk about Philip Forsberg because we always knew that Philip Forsberg had it in him to do what he's doing this year. So we'll leave Philip Forsberg out of this. But just think about what is going on this season and how everything has just lined up perfectly to really put the Predators way ahead of what anyone realistically expected. I can tell you, I'll be totally honest. I thought the ceiling for this Predators team was if everything breaks right, they'll make the playoffs. But I never thought that it would happen in this way. I'm not going to even give myself credit for that. I didn't think it would happen in this manner. Whereas you've got Matt Duchesne just completely silencing all the critics with what the way he's played this year. Uh, Philip Forsberg, we've been talking about it for many seasons that he's on the cusp of being elite. Well, he's made that case this year that he is indeed elite. Of course, you talk about Tanner Janot just taking and just really elevating his game to be in the Calder Trophy race. Tanner Janot built some fans when he first broke onto the scene last season with his play. But did anyone predict Tanner Janot to be in the Calder Trophy debate? I don't, obviously, he's not going to win the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year. But he's, I mean, there's plenty of reasons why you should bring him up in that debate, at least. I mean, there's so many things that have happened this season with these Preds players that no one saw coming. And yet, Still, this team could miss the playoffs. That's what's really hard to believe. And so that's just really what it comes down to is this team has had to have a lot of things break their way in terms of players having careers. That's not even bringing up Mikael Granlund, who is also having a huge bounce back year in a Preds uniform. I mean, going into this season, he was damaged goods. No one wanted to pick him up. And he, it's like every time you think, 
Mikel Granlund, he's testing the open market. He's not going to come back. And the Preds re-sign him. They bring him back. And look at what Mikel Granlund's done. I mean, I talked about this like a month ago. I wrote an article for Predlines.com about it. I'm like, everyone's talking about Forsberg. Everyone's talking about Yossi. Everyone's talking about Matt Duchesne. How about if Mikel Granlund wasn't on this team this year? I mean, he gets overlooked a lot because he's also not a big-time goal scorer, and he does have his moments or his stretches where he kind of is a little bit invisible and you don't notice him. But I got to tell you, I am really, really kind of excited about seeing Mikel Granlund and Matt Duchesne playing together again. And you saw it tonight a little bit. I'm telling you right now, those two are on the same page playing on the same line together. I love them on the second line together. And uh, it's just, it's really looking like for the first time in a while, this Preds team, if they can get into the playoffs, and that's a big if, but if they can sneak into the playoffs this year, they've got the four-line rotation with their forwards. We'll get to the defense in a little bit, but with their forwards, I feel like John Hines really has himself a solid blueprint to, to, to get an upset in the first round. The problem lies obviously with the defense and with obviously that third defensive pairing that this team has had a hard time figuring out for a while. Uh, but you've got Roman Yossi who is doing these historically great numbers, but he also has his defensive lapses as time, which you can see. Uh, he definitely is one of those types of players where sometimes he can leave his teammates out to dry on the counterattack. That's the type. He He's a hybrid defenseman. He plays that way. He takes a lot of risk. It's a high-risk, high-reward situation sometimes with the way Roman Yossi plays. You've got Matthias Ekholm, who also is can have some really bad defensive lapses at, at times. But when you're looking at this Preds team right now and you see them beat the Senators tonight and you see them get a win when it looked really rough, it was looking like they were going to lose this game. When they fell behind 2-1, to one, I mean, in the third period, it took Roman Yossi scoring an insane, crazy goal that most defensemen cannot score to kind of get this team back to life. And that's why we're talking Roman Yossi in – not only the Norris Trophy conversation, but I think he should definitely be talked about in the Hart Trophy conversation for goals like that tonight. Because I'm telling you, it felt like the Preds were going to lose tonight. And it's happened plenty of times before this tonight, where this season, it looks like the Preds are dead in the water and Roman Yossi has to kind of dig this team out of a hole on his own with his offense, with his skating, whether it's him scoring a goal or whether it's setting up one of his line mates, he's done it all season long and he is just not a prototypical NHL defenseman. And that's why he is so historically great this season. And so you're looking at it now, but this is really where the schedule gets very difficult for the Preds. They had to have this game tonight against the Ottawa Senators. They just had to, I mean, you've got to win these types of games because the race is not going to get any any easier the rest of the way out. I've been saying this for a while, and I don't see it changing, even after tonight's win. It's going to come down to that final week of the regular season.
for the Preds to get into the playoffs. I just don't see them getting into the top three. Uh, I could be wrong about that, and I hope I am wrong. But just the way you're looking at it, I don't think I think Vegas is still going to stick around, even though they're fading. They're going to hang around. Dallas, I mean, come on out. They've got one of the easiest schedules remaining, and they are they have slowly been getting better and better as the season goes on. They've been rounding into form. So a lot of the playoff models suggest that it's going to be Preds and Stars to get the two wild card spots, but you still have Vegas hanging around. It's kind of a three-team race for two wild card spots uh, between the Preds, the Stars, and the Vegas Golden Knights. And so can the Preds continue to build a cushion over the Vegas Golden Knights for a wild card spot? I mean, that's what we're looking at here. And so the Preds are now four points ahead of Vegas. They're three points ahead of Dallas. But Dallas is in action tonight. And they are down two to one right now to the Maple Leafs. So you got to keep an eye on that game, obviously, because if the Stars lose tonight to the Maple Leafs, then the Preds have had a really, really good night in terms of solidifying their playoff hopes. Again, a lot of the playoff models really favored the Preds making the playoffs despite the fact that up until uh, up until that win on Tuesday over Minnesota, the Preds were fading fast. The Preds were looking really bad, and the playoff hopes were looking bleak. But it's amazing how two, two wins can just completely change your outlook, but there's still a lot of time left. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Ellie Tolvanen and how he what, ended up being a healthy scratch against Minnesota and all that stuff because that's a really bold lineup decision that John Hines made there. Again, this is Catfish on Ice, episode 119 with your host, Chad Minton, brought to you by DraftKings. Uh, later on in this episode, if you're listening to the podcast the next day, we are going to be joined by Mason of Blues Fan Reacts and part of SB Nation. He covers the St. Louis Blues. He joined the podcast to talk about the Preds-Blues rivalry, which I think, other than the Blackhawks, it's the best rival we have. It's the it's really the most heated rival that we have. And so he joined the podcast. I always say keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. But Mason was a really awesome guest. So stay tuned for that at the end of the episode. You're going to have to download the podcast the next day if you're watching the stream live right now. This is Chad Mitten, your host. Again, we're brought to you by DraftKings. We're part of the Hockey Podcast Network as we're reacting to the Preds as they beat the Ottawa Senators uh, with a big win. It looked like they were going to lose this game, and they once again figure out a way to just pull out a win. I mean, it doesn't matter how pretty it is. Just get the two points, and that's what they did. So I kind of want to get into Ellie Tolvin and how he was a healthy scratch, as we've learned here. And it, it was really about, okay, Ellie Tolvanen's had a rough year. And, and it's not really been all his fault. I actually think that Ellie Tolvanen has still had a productive year. But we think of Ellie Tolvanen as a goal scorer because he's got that lethal shot. We think about him on the power play. And that's what we ultimately want him to evolve into is a lethal power play goal scorer, a 30-plus goal scorer eventually. Uh, maybe not quite a Philip Forsberg, but we want him to definitely go down that path of being one of those elite offensive players for the Predators in the long-term future. 
Well, he's just been snake bitten. I mean, he's had a rough year. His shooting percentage has really suffered. He's just had some rough moments. Even in tonight's game, uh, Roman Yossi set him up for a really good goal. And he just got credit to the goaltender, credit to Anton Forsberg, who made the save. And even you could see Ellie Tolvin and you could see the look on his face. He was like, what do I got to do to get a goal? And sometimes that happens in the sport. I mean, you're doing all the right things and you still can't figure out a way to score goals. And for Ellie Tolvanen, I think he just has to keep his focus. And I think he's done a good job of that. But he was a healthy scratch on Tuesday against the Minnesota Wild. And uh, some news came out about why John Hines decided to do that. And it's just, it's one of those things where it's a tough decision for a coach because you don't want to like ruin a player's confidence, but sometimes you have to like reset everything and refocus a young player like Ellie Tolvanen is. And so I'm not totally against it for one game. I'm not against it at all because uh, we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. We don't know the conversations that are going on in the locker room or in practice. And for I think that John Hines just wanted to maybe have a teaching moment with Ellie Tolvanen when it comes to keeping everything in perspective and uh, because he's a very valuable future piece of this team. Like, the Preds desperately need him to be a top six scoring player in the in the future. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's weird to see Ellie Tolvanen as a healthy scratch because he has so much potential. He's in his second full NHL season. So anyone who's just, like, completely panicking over him is just really premature on that. But I think it also comes down to it took a while for him to get up to the NHL. He spent some time in Milwaukee. He, he when he was drafted, he had a ton of. He, he, I mean, everyone th- knew how good he was when he was drafted. So he's had a ton of pressure on him since he was drafted, which doesn't always happen with NHL draft picks. And so he's just had it, he. It's one of those players where it's just I preach patience when it comes to Ellie Tolvanen. And when you really watch his full game and how it's evolved, the big knock on him was he un- when he first came in the league was he was undersized. He can't play defense. He can't he can't lay out the hits. He can't do the essential things to be an all around NHL player. Well, he solved that. He he's shown that he's an all around player. Now we got to start seeing the goals go in. Now we got to start seeing his offensive game really flourish. And so he was a healthy scratch. On Tuesday against Minnesota, Coach John Hines decided that it was a good spot to do that. And and Ellie Tolvanen was back in the lineup tonight against the Senators. He could have easily had a goal tonight. Roman Yossi set him up really good. And uh, sometimes you got to do that with these younger players. You got to make the really tough decision as a head coach to healthy scratch a player. And so I applaud John Hines for making a decision like that because it's not an easy decision as a head coach to make that decision. And he did it. And I think in the end, it could be a really good positive development moment for Ellie Tolvanen, but he gets back in the lineup tonight, registers four shots on goal, three block shots and gets 13, almost 14 minutes of ice time. So if you're a player like Ellie Tolvanen, you got to take that in stride. Okay. I was a healthy scratch, but you know what? My whole career is ahead of me. And, 
you know, head coach had had me focus on some things. I totally don't have a problem with that at all. So uh, I know some some fans might be upset with it that Ellie Tolvanen was a healthy scratch over uh, what you decide to go with in in his fa- in his uh, replacement, which was Matt Luff. But then you go into tonight's game, and Ellie Tolvanen gets back in the lineup. Michael McCarron is actually week to week, and uh, it. I really think that Michael McCarron has actually been a decent fourth line player. And I never thought I would say that uh, when you, at the beginning of the season, I would have never thought I would be saying that right now, but Michael McCarron has been a decent tone setter type of player. With that said, putting Ellie Tolvanen back in the lineup tonight. And unfortunately, Michael McCarron being out with a week to week injury. I mean, it, it seemed like a perfect situation to get Tolvanen back in. He misses a game. He comes back in tonight. I thought Ellie Tolvanen looked really good tonight. And we'll see how long Michael McCarron's out. He's a week-to-week designation. Uh, when it comes to Michael McCarron, it, when it looks at, when you're looking at your playoff lineup, he again, he's a tone-setting type of player. He, he definitely fits the Preds' identity perfectly because he plays a very rough style of hockey. He's even shown this year that he can score some goals every now and then. He's not going to be confused as a fourth-line goal scorer, a reliable goal scorer. But he's had a four-point game this year, shockingly. And he's had some moments where he scored some big goals, and he's a big-bodied player that fits this team perfectly. So I'm sure that the team wants him back in time for the playoffs, if they make the playoffs, obviously. But uh, I was very happy to see Tolvanen back in the lineup tonight, and I thought he looked really good. So... Uh, with that said, I feel like the Preds still have a lot of work to do because even though they beat a team like the Senators who just aren't, I mean, they are an up-and-coming team. The Senators are a very up-and-coming, decent team. But if the Preds really want to be legit playoff contenders and deep playoff contenders, then they've got to stop relying on Roman Yossi to bail them out. And to a, to a second degree, uh, UC Soros also had to bail them out tonight. And that's kind of like, again, I'm not trying to be negative here because they got the win. They got the two points. It was exciting. It was a fun game to watch. But they they got a little lucky tonight. I got to tell you, they really did. They could have easily lost that game, but Roman Yossi figures out a way to score a goal. And so... That's kind of what it comes down to there. Uh, This is episode 119 of Catfish on Ice with your host, Chad Minton, brought to you by DraftKings, the official sponsor also of UFC this weekend. And DraftKings has a really good offer for you. We've got two titles are up for grabs on the stacked UFC 273 fight card. Join the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter and get $100 in free bets, win or lose, guaranteed. So yeah, there's a big fight com- big fight card coming up this weekend for UFC 273. And so DraftKings has you covered with our promo code THPN. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Throw throw down $5 on UFC 273 and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
the official sports betting partner of the UFC. 21 and up restrictions apply. See the show notes for details on responsible gambling practices. And if you have a gambling problem, please see our show notes for how to get help on that. You've also got daily fantasy contests with the DraftKings Sportsbook if the sportsbook betting is not available in your state yet. All right, want to wrap it up with this tonight before we get to our interview with Mason of Blues Fan Reacts and also of SB Nation who covers the St. Louis Blues. I thought it was really cool to see the Mark Borowiecki uh, tribute from the Ottawa Senators tonight. Um, anytime you see uh, that type of thing happen where a, or an organization is loyal to a player that uh, meant so much to their organization, I mean, it's awesome to see. And you could really see the raw emotion from Mark Borowiecki, who is just such a classy and good player. I know we forget that sometimes because Mark Borowiecki is such a hard-hitting, brawler type of player on the ice. But Mark Borowiecki is such a class act. He really is. He's such a good locker room presence for this team. And uh, so to see the Ottawa Senators organization uh, pay respects to him because that's the only team he ever played for. And he has a lot of good memories, I'm sure, with that organization. Really love seeing that. Good on the Ottawa Senators for respecting um, our guy, Mark Borowiecki, who has been through so much personally, and yet he still brings it every night for this team. And it's just like, I mean, I know that we get sick of the penalties sometimes, but you know what? You can't coach passion. And Mark Borowiecki is probably one of the most passionate players you could ever ask for on a hockey team. I mean, you see it clearly with the way he plays. I know he's not the flashiest player. I know he's not going to score goals. And I know he's going to be in the penalty box a lot. But you know what? You can't coach passion. And that's what you see from Mark Borowiecki. I know that's what the Ottawa Senators fans saw. I know that's what the organization saw. And so it was cool to see him leave the mark on that organization and for them to pay respects to him tonight. You could definitely see how much it meant to Mark Borowiecki tonight during the game. And uh, you just love to see stuff like that because in the end, these players are humans and we want to see wins We and we want to see goals and we want to see highlights and all this stuff. But in the end, these players are humans. These players have families. These players get really close to these organizations. They build lives in these hometowns where their teams are at. And uh, so when you see an organization pay respects back to that player, it, it really means a lot. So that was really awesome to see. Good job by the uh, Ottawa Senators for paying respects to Mark Borowiecki and all the things he did for that organization before he came to the Nashville Predators. Real quick, I want to hit on some uh, some cup favorites here. Going in as the playoff race really is starting to shape up. I mean, your obvious choices, your obvious choice is the Colorado Avalanche in the West, but I wouldn't sleep on the Calgary Flames either. I do think that they are a really hard hitting, tough team that did a lot of good things at the trade deadline. They've made their team better after the trade deadline. So I'm telling you right now, I do think the Colorado Avalanche on paper are probably the best team in hockey. But let's look at the Eastern Conference for a second. That The Eastern Conference is going to be a bloodbath. There are going to be 
so many cup contending teams who are going to lose in the first round in the Eastern Conference playoffs. It's going to be just, I mean, murderer's row to see who makes it out of the first round in the Eastern Conference. Whereas the Western Conference, I feel like it's a little bit more top-heavy. It's going to take a lot more upsets in the Western Conference. And you could probably pick chalk more in the Western Conference, whereas the Eastern Conference, good luck picking who you think is going to be out there with Tampa Bay, with Florida, with Carolina, with Washington, with Pittsburgh, with Boston. I mean, I can go on and on. Toronto, whereas the West, you've got Colorado, you've got Calgary, maybe Edmonton because they got the superstar power. But really, it comes down to the Eastern Conference. I will say a dark horse team that I really feel like could make some noise in the Western Conference is not the Nashville Predators. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm going to be objective here. I don't think it's the Nashville Predators. I do think the LA Kings you need to watch out for. The Los Angeles Kings have slowly been built, gradually building their team up over the years. They went through a rebuilding process, and they have built a nice, really good young team with some veterans. They've got a good blend. They got our guy, Victor Arvidsson, out there as well. And um, I got to say, I mean, if the Preds can't win it, I'd love to see Victor Arvidsson win a Stanley Cup this year. So that's my dark horse team is the LA Kings to maybe win a Stanley Cup. But I'm calling it a dark horse because, honestly, it's probably going to come out of the Eastern Conference this year. But either way, the playoffs are almost here, and it's going to be a really, really, really fun playoffs, as it always is. It's really awesome to be at this time of year. And I really appreciate everyone joining me for the solo episode tonight as my co-host Rich Howe is uh, spending time with family tonight, which is always number one. Family's always number one. And so Rich will be back with me next week along with Kyle Perkins. Kyle Perkins has missed a lot of time with our podcast, also dealing with some stuff. He's coming back next week as well for Perks Picks on Catfish on Ice. So stay tuned for that. We've also got our interview coming up later on in episode 119 with Mason of Blues Fan Reacts and also SB Nation. He covers the St. Louis Blues. We're going to talk Blues and Preds rivalry. We're going to talk about the playoff race a little bit more from the Blues perspective and some other good stuff. That's going to be at the end of this episode. Stay tuned for that. This has been episode 119 of Catfish and Ice with Chad Minton, your host, brought to you by DraftKings part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Stay tuned for that interview with Blues Fan Reacts. Thanks, everyone, for joining me. This is episode 119 of Catfish and Ice. All right, and we're back. This is episode 119 of Catfish on Ice. Welcome in. This is your host, Woo! Chad Minton. And that person you hear screaming in the background right there. <laughs> Uh, we have a really great guest. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and start it off like this. They always say, keep your friends close, put your enemies closer. Whoa. We've got ourselves a really awesome guest, though. Kind of joking there, kind of not. But we do have a really good friend here that's joining the podcast today. <laughs> and that is Mason of St. Louis Game Time, part of SB Nation. He's a contributor for them. He's always He also does appearances with Toasted St. Louis which is also been affiliated with the Hockey Podcast Network, covering the St. Louis Blues. Welcome in, Mason. How are you doing? 
Hey, I'm doing pretty all right, Chad. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's exciting being uh, back in front of a you know studio audience again. It's oh, great. there you go. Yeah, this gigantic studio audience that we have. I was right going to say yeah. live studio audience, but this is pre-recorded. My uh, my living room is just full of audience members right now, <laughs> as you can imagine. I got all a right. couple cats in the background. They're they're there my go, audience. Yeah, uh, that, those are the best audience members right there. Anyway. So, yeah, they don't. They never boo. They'll hiss a few times, but they, yeah. you know, they don't make you feel stupid, which is there always you nice. go. Yeah, for sure. All right, so uh, really, we wanted to have. We always love to have other fan bases on. We, I love to get the res- perspective of rival teams in the division, and it's a great time for that right now because this division race is really tightening up in the central, as it usually is this time of year. Nothing new mm-hmm. for us central division fans. And so uh, we're going to get into that. But first, I really want to get into get into it with you, Mason, when it comes to what your perspective is of the Blues-Preds rivalry. Because I can say from my perspective as a Preds fan, and a lot of Preds feel, feel this way, other than maybe the Chicago Blackhawks, the Blues are like the team that really Preds fans just dislike. They don't they, – they just really – it means extra when the Preds can beat the St. Louis Blues – and, uh, you know, we, we kind of lost that last year because of the 56-game schedule. Mm-hmm. And so we got that back this year, and I love it when the Preds and the Blues play. I, I don't like to miss those games for anything. So I kind of want to get your perspective as you cover the Blues and uh, and what what does the Preds-Blues rivalry mean to you? Absolutely. Well, uh, I actually just recently had a friend uh, take a road trip down to Nashville. Uh, You know, it's an arena I've always wanted to go to. I used to have a girlfriend in the area and she would brag every time she went to Preds games kind of thing. So, um, yeah, he went down and I was like, all right, just make sure you're capturing that atmosphere because that's something I really want to be a part of one day. I really want to go to a Blues game in uh, Smashville, you know, and, uh, you know, he, he had nothing but nice things to say. I mean, obviously every fan base has their, you know, bad fans, I guess you could say, especially Mm -hmm. online. That's just how the hockey Twitter culture is, but man, in real life, there's nothing like Preds fans. I mean, they're exciting. They're fun to talk to. They know what they're talking about. Uh, and they're just passionate about their team. And that's an atmosphere that I wish a lot of the other teams in the league, you know, just don't seem to fully grasp. Blues included, you know. So mm. the Blues have kind of an old traditional kind of fan base yeah. feel to them. And Nashville is a very in-your-face, we just scored, you know. So And, <laughs> and that's an atmosphere I absolutely love. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if you're talking about, you know, the rivalry between the two theme- teams, I think it just has to do with both teams have always been in the playoff mix. You know, their entire existence. I mean, the Blues were known, obviously, until relatively recently of being, you know, playoff flops. But, I mean, Mm -hmm. at least they were in the playoffs. And then here's Nashville, who kicked our ass in the second round in 2017. And, you know, both teams have just been perennial, you know, not necessarily contenders, but, you know, in the playoff race and in the playoffs. So it's only natural for, you know, these two teams, especially in the division, to cause a rivalry like that. Definitely. Uh, well, we can go ahead and take that new reputation of being playoff flops now since you all won the Stanley Cup because uh, let me tell you, that if, if the Preds can sneak into the playoffs this season, it'll be their eighth year in a row of making the playoffs. And wow. Yet, and yet they've got – yeah, a lot of people maybe outside the fan base don't realize that. They make the play – it's become a regular occurrence. You make the playoffs, and a lot of Preds fans just don't really care about that anymore. I mean <laughs> – even this year, the Preds weren't expected to make the playoffs. It was supposed to be kind of a retooling, rebuilding type mm-hmm. of season. And lo and behold, they still got a chance to make the playoffs. And 
most Preds fans are still not satisfied. They're still angry. <laughs> there is still not enough for them. And I do love that passion from this fan base, but um, uh, yeah. So uh, I think what really happened with this rivalry that really amped it up for me and made it, it's more of a, you can go ahead and call it salty if you want. When the, <laughs> when the blues won the Stanley cup, it was like, well, there's another team that finally got a Stanley Cup. So uh, well, it's like that. We've been that, around about four times longer than you, too. Keep that's that true. It's like <laughs> that, that group of teams is getting smaller and smaller that have never won a Stanley sure. Cup. And even though the Preds have been around only for two decades now, um, but it's just like you don't like being in that group because it's like yeah. if we if you could have that uh, – that uh, that in your arsenal whenever you're having an argument with another fan base about the Stanley Cups, like it really helps a lot. And we just don't have that. We it's just that's what every fan base goes to, especially Blackhawks fans. That's what they go to every time. Well, I don't really care what happened this season. How many cups mm-hmm. do you have? And it's like, oh, if I could just, if I could just <laughs> oh, God, lose I that part that of argument. it. But, hate that argument. But let me go back and look at some of the what's really also amped up this rivalry recently. He brought up the 2017 second round, which was still a really tightly contested playoff series. I know it went to six games, but um, yeah, the Preds were just to watch. the Preds were just on that. They were just on an insane hot streak. They just they were literally the the example of just getting hot at the right time that year. It was just a mm-hmm. magical run. And uh, but then um, I, I think where, where it really got sideways for me about the blues was the Robert Pertuzzo cross check on Victor <laughs> Harvidson. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> because that pretty much that ineffectively ended Victor Arvidsson's run with the Nashville uh-huh. Predators. He was a fan favorite, little RV running out there, just out skating everybody, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he was never the same. And now he's kind of having a revitalization with the Kings this year, which I love to see. But I mean, you stole Victor Arvidsson from us. You really did. I know I'm I'm the worst. I that was all me. I take full responsibility. Yeah. You I'm, told Robert Pertuzzo yeah, to do I that. Told I told him knew to it. do that. I, I knew using it. my numerous connections that I of course totally have. I I asked Robert Pertuzzo to That's why I brought you on. because yeah, it's because I didn't want it to keep playing him in the division, man. You know how it is. <laughs> you you know exactly how it is. Yeah. Uh, no. Hey, pull out all the stops. Hey, Mason. <laughs> if you got pull out all the stops, whatever it takes to win, win at all costs. That's right. That you you know it, baby. You know it. You know. <laughs> uh, no. When it comes to you know Victor Arvidsson, obviously not an ice cross check. Bad Bobby Bortz, who just recently got a two year contract extension. Hmm. Um, you know, bad boy. He should never do that. But uh, to his credit, you know, he's never really been. Well, I guess he had a reputation but i mean kind of recently he hasn't fought anybody in practice which is i guess good he hasn't uh you know been out to get anybody he's just been playing a more shutdown role maybe that's due to age maybe that's due to oh i better stop doing this because i have a wife and kids i don't know uh <laughs> but it's uh no i it was it was a dirty dirty cross check and uh yeah. well, i'm glad he got the well you know what he did so i mean he could have picked a, a a different player to have done it to that we maybe we didn't want you know like <laughs> I, I i could have forgiven you for that but you know i little see RV, i see you're gonna you're gonna do it to little rv i mean come on now all right let's get again we're being joined by mason of st louis game time contributor for sb nation also he's made appearances on toasted st louis podcast and also uh give the listeners your how to follow you on twitter real quick 
Uh, just that blues fan reacts B L U E S F A N R E A C T S. Um, yeah, pretty simple. Uh, I post hot takes on there pretty constantly, and there you go. Uh, most people don't know if I'm being satirical I half love, the time, which I is love part that. of the, those which are the is best part follows. of the fun. Those are the best follows. <laughs> All right, which so is let's get the fun. Let's get to more current times here with the season. The season's rolling along, rolling along here, but we we're down to like the last three weeks of the regular season, believe it or not. And wow. uh, this playoff race is really tightening up. Even though I gotta say, the top three is kind of starting to build some distance from the uh, wild card race, which is a good spot to be in if you're the Blues because mm-hmm. that wild card uh, position is gonna leave you obviously a really tough first round matchup against. Calgary, definitely Colorado is going to be one of the opponents. Um, but uh, the Blues, uh, kind of give me your outlook right now about the Blues. Do you feel like they're living up to your preseason expectations? Do you feel like there's reasons for some serious concern, even though it looks like for sure they're going to make the playoffs? How are you thinking about their playoff hopes and what they can make? Can they go deep? What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think the Blues have about uh, been about where I expected. Beginning of the season, I said they're probably second round knockouts. You know, nothing super special. Although this is one of the most gifted Blues offenses in a really, really long time, certainly in my lifetime. Uh, you know, I mean, they just hit the, you know, 720 goal scorers plateau the other night which is something that the blues haven't had since 1985 and there's still you know 12 games left so uh i mean this is a very gifted offense but i mean it's the the thing that's killing him right now which you know we all kind of expected was you know our defensive aspect which obviously hasn't been the same since Petrangelo it obviously hasn't been the same since Bo Meester all those big guys who are used to carrying the workload uh the guys that we have simply can't do it and especially a couple untimely injuries like to Krug for instance mm-hmm. I mean people I don't think Blues fans really appreciated how you know good he was in the lineup and how much he meant to this team you know until he got hurt a week ago you know uh yeah. but the blues are have been you know had a pretty decent funk in uh in march that's probably one of the worst marches we've ever had uh let's see i'm looking one two only four wins in march which Ooh. is pretty bad so uh, and yeah, that was in. But hey, the, it's a little over a dozen games. Kind of. It's thing, better is, to get it out of your system in March than it is going through that that's right true, now. In April, right. I guess. But uh, but yeah, uh, the, blues, uh, the Blues have kind of gotten their funk back. Uh, yeah. Let's see. That's one, two, three, four, five. Five of the last six games have been wins now. So they're mm-hmm. sort of getting out of the funk, and they're still missing Krug. So yeah. uh, and Bozak for that matter. Well, you just mentioned it, and it's, I mean, even from an outside perspective, you can, you, you, I mean, the the depth in the forwards that the Blues have is just what really makes me feel like they can, they're capable of going on a deep run. I mean, just mm-hmm. when you look, you just mentioned the goal scorers or whatever, but like, you just look at it. I mean, I've always been a big fan of Vladimir Tarasenko, and so it's it's pretty cool to see him get back into his form before his injury. Yeah. Uh David Perrin's a great player. Jordan Cairo. I mean, you're just stacked. I mean, with a lot of really good depth scoring players. And so that's just, I feel like that's going to really help you a lot. But what about the goal? What's going on with your goaltending right now? (laughs) I got to ask you about that because, I mean, Jordan Bennington was supposed to be like the next great 
young goaltender, and he still could end up being that. I'm not. Try- I'm not trying to say his career is over or anything, but he's having he's having a pretty pedestrian, mediocre year. You got to admit. I know. I but you know. got. But then you got Huso. You got Huso out there who's looking pretty good. So I got to ask you, who's your game one starter in the playoffs? Is it definitely going to be Bennington? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's the biggest. I didn't think that there could be a bigger controversy in St. Louis that wasn't top bear defenseman, but we found it and it presented itself in Jordan Bennington and Billy Huso. I mean, I don't think Blues fans expected Huso to be this good. I don't think Blues fans expected Bennington to be this absolutely terrible. So, uh, I mean, especially, you know, his last couple starts or so, he just – I don't know what it is. Well, I, I don't know what's you, going on with Bennington. Well, here's kind of it's kind of happened with with uh, Saros a little bit in recent memory too. In the last three or four weeks, is it so much all on Bennington, or has the defense been really that bad? Because I can tell you for the Predators, um, yes, Saros has let out let in some really uncharacteristically bad goals and had a couple bad outings. But the defense in front of him is horrendous at a lot of times, and he he's he, Saros is left out to dry in these three on one, two on one two-on-zero situations. Is is Bennington suffering from the same type of stuff, or has Bennington just really been that bad? I'm split on that because it does seem like just watching the games, it really does seem like the team as a whole, not just the defense, but the team as a whole kind of, you know, puts it in neutral whenever Bennington's in net. And I notice they're a lot more proactive on the puck, you know, when Huso's the one in net. Um... I mean the defense. If, if you're if you're looking strictly defense, I think the Blues have actually surprised me. Uh, their defense. I thought our defense was terrible, but I saw a stat the other day. They were like tenth in the league and uh, goals against per game, which is like really freaking impressive, right? Mm, yeah. So, uh, which which I I certainly did not expect. Yeah, they've allowed the tenth fewest goals. I'm checking right now, tenth fewest goals so far in the entire league, which is something I. That really surprised me when I heard it because it sure didn't look that way with a lot of games. Because the games that they're losing, they're losing. You know, they had a seven-one loss to um to to Calgary not too long ago. They had a four-seven loss to New Jersey. You know, they had a two-seven loss to Carolina not too long ago. So, uh, I mean, it's it's when the defense is on it, they're on it. But when they have a bad game, it shows. And when they get in that funk, I mean, that's the most nerve-wracking thing going into the playoffs is can you can you defense or not? You know, for sure. Well, let's let's kind of look ahead a little bit. It's still it's a little under two weeks away before the Preds and the Blues play their fourth and final meeting of the regular season. This season series, each one of these games has just had no shortage of drama. If you go back and look at the season series, the Preds uh, won in early November, 4-3 in overtime. Matt Duchesne had the game winner. That was a game that Philip Forsberg didn't even play in, so that's kind of surprising. Uh, David Riddick was our backup goaltender, played in that game. Feels like forever (laughs) ago, but but since that game where the Preds had to go to overtime to win, the Blues have really had their number. Uh, You look at January 17th meeting, uh, the Preds blew a 2-0 lead that they uh, got in the first period, and then the Blues just came storming back to with four straight goals. And if you look at it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Blues did well. Well, they had one power play goal. But what the season series, what I'm looking at here, and why really, what really makes me nervous in a matchup against the Blues from a Preds perspective is 
you all are an elite team on the power play. You're third in the league right now on the power mm-hmm. play, whereas the Preds, as you might know, ha- commit the most penalties among all NHL teams. Really? And yes, it's, we've been up there all season. All, and wow. It's I would not have guessed ta- that. If you want to take a look, it's actually quite comical. If you want to take a look at the most penalties and the most penalty minutes taken in the league this year the preds are the leaders by a like by a mile i mean they are wow. e- they're so much f- further ahead than the second place team that as far as penalty minutes and so mm-hmm. you, as a preds fan it, when you, if you think about a possible matchup against the blues uh you're like we're not going to have a chance because the blues power play is just going to burn us now the preds have a really good power play as well but um that just really makes me nervous and so uh, the Preds and the Blues play on uh, uh, April 17th. I, I feel like that game might have some third-place implications. If I mean, it's only a four-point mm-hmm. difference right now in the standings if I last time I checked. For, yes. Uh, so it, it, it could end up being a top-three implication type of uh, game. How are you seeing that matchup? How are you feeling about it? I know we got a little bit of time left before then, but uh, – uh, obviously every single game is important, but you know, games, especially against rivals that are so close in the standings, you know, you want to get the upper hand as much as you can. I don't want to play Colorado. I don't know about how Preds fans feel on that issue, but that's no. not a team I feel like playing. Uh, I don't feel like playing Calgary either. Uh, but when it comes to, uh, potentially playing Minnesota, I, I, I'm kind of okay with it. I mean, we kicked their ass in the winter classic, so no yeah. big deal. We we've beaten them on the big stage. We can do it again. Right. And the, pre- uh, the Preds are, the Preds are three and O against the Minnesota wild this year after beating go. them on this past Tuesday. And now, so now the Preds are three and O in the season series and <laughs> each one of those games, they've won six to two, six to two and five to two. Wow. So, so need, needless to just say, wins, they're butt kickings. So needless to say, yes, press fans would much rather claim <laughs> that third spot. Minnesota, you can keep second place in the division. You can yeah, uh, we buy yourself. We you can buy yourself a cookie. You can do something there to you pat go. yourselves on the back for finishing in second place. And Visit the we would new much, Shake Shack and Enterprise Center. You know, yeah, that kind of give me that third place finish in the division so that you can get Minnesota in the first round and avoid Calgary. <laughs> Or uh, Colorado, yeah. I think out of the two teams, Blues and Predators, I think Predators probably have a better shot at upsetting Colorado than the Blues do. Oh, I wow. just think so. I hear, I I'm feeling that. I, that's what I'm thinking uh, because I think the Blues just get super overwhelmed super quickly when it's a high octane mm. offense on the other side of the ice. And whenever I've watched a Preds game, I mean, I watched the Pred. I was at the Preds at uh, Golden Knights game not too long ago, and I mean. Golden Knights, I mean, look at all the star power they had on the ice that day. And, I mean, the Preds just skated stride for stride with them. And then Forsberg scored the most beautiful breakaway oh, goal yeah. I've ever seen in my life, you know? so He's done a lot um, of that this year. Oh, yeah, for sure. But you're talking about, I mean, taking the most penalties is just something that obviously really surprised me. I'm looking now. It says your penalty kill percentage is just a hair under 80, which is pretty good. So at least the penalties that you're taking, you're killing off for yeah. the most part. That ranks 15th in the league. So middle of the yeah. pack there. It's not terrible. Uh, it's not yeah, terrible, the Blues but, uh... power play percentage has been pretty good. The Blues have a chance to uh, break the record, uh, the season record in power play. Uh, oh, wow. They okay. are sitting at 26.4. Their record, I can't remember the year, was like 23% or something like that. Hmm. So the Blues can just cruise well, their way into that, which was, I hate which to break it to awesome. you, but I don't, 
I hate to break it to you. I don't give a snowball's chance in hell for, to the Preds or the Blues if they have to play the Colorado <laughs> Avalanche in the first. Well, that's round. what we said about Columbus in 2019. And I I think the Blues might have a slightly better chance just because I think they can on paper. I just well just because I think a bl- the Blues could probably get in a shootout type of situation again, like a not like a real shootout, but I mean like they could get in one of those track meets type of games. Where yeah. uh, maybe the Blues can beat the Avs six to five in a game, whereas I'm not so sure that the Preds can really win those types of games just mm-hmm. yet. They just don't have the secondary scoring that the Blues have. So gotcha. uh, yeah, but definitely third place seems important. I have that game circled on my calendar for sure. Anytime you play the Blues. All right, so gonna get you out of here with this uh, again. This has been Mason, who uh, is a contributor for St. Louis Game Time. Uh, part of SB Nation also makes appearances on Toasted St. Louis, Toasted St. Louis uh, podcast. All right, so uh, we kind of already alluded to it, but I really want to get your um, get your ceiling for this Blues team. You said second round exit, but what it really is that what Blues fans need to see to consider this season a success, or do you think it, uh, that it really you need to like push to at least get to the Western Conference Final? Yeah, because I feel like this team's good enough to win a cup if they get hot at the right time. So, and then I'll, oh, I'll yeah. kind of tell you how I feel about the Preds after that. Yeah, uh, I'm when I'm looking at the Blues, uh, I got a sneeze coming on. So, if I sneeze, let me know. Um, <laughs> when I think about the Blues, especially after the cup run, it, it's hard to tell what success is after that because you've seen success, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've proven all you could. We got to. You know, our core pieces built around that for five years. And then, boom, here we go. Finally got that long eluded cup. And then now we're kind of stuck, especially after the bubble where we're like, now what? Like, what what do we do now? Do we like keep going? Do we like uh, gear up, you know, for a run, maybe five or six years down the road? Or are we still trying to win now? Are we going to wait? Time out. Time out. Time out. You don't want to be the Tampa Bay Lightning where you might where you're pushing for three peats. Like, do I mean, you know? <laughs> do you know how bad Lightning fans have it on Twitter right now? <laughs> they, they're oh, almost like I don't know if you watch college football, but I they're almost the like Tampa Bay Lightning are the second most ratio team on hockey Twitter besides the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, that's pretty surprising. But uh, so I mean, they've kind of that fan base has got to start com- becoming like Alabama football fans, where it's like it's so hard to get any joy anymore because you're so spoiled. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, the I, the thing is, the Blues don't, the Blues don't really need. Okay, the the Blues have to think about this, right? Because with with them in winning the cup, kind of thing, our biggest fear as fans is like mediocrity because we were that for 50 fucking years, right? Oh, wow, yeah. So <laughs> uh, so that's our biggest fear is doing that. And we've seen, you know, constantly, I mean, Tampa Bay with their rebuild, Toronto with their rebuild. I mean, the look at Chicago right now. Look at, where the, look at where the Chicago Blackhawks are at. Look at the Kings right now. I mean, the Kings are going to be more dangerous, you know, a lot quicker than yeah. we thought they would be, you know, just all these teams. They did it up. the right way. The Blues don't want to like keep making big splits flashes and lock players up to ridiculous contracts if they don't have to you know kind of thing because that's the key to mediocrity that's what they've been doing their entire franchise you know uh and we got lucky that we got a cup out of it finally but i think the smartest thing to do was always just to retool but the blues have kind of you know like 
their 50-year history. They've always been kind of in that middle ground there, you know, not good enough to be good, not bad enough to be bad. You know, they're good enough to be playoff contenders, but they're bad enough where they can't do anything in them right Mm -hmm. now. And I think that's the biggest fear, you know, at least for me, especially. makes sense. But, I mean, after that bubble, I think the Blues should have done, rather than making big splashes like that, they should have geared up, loaded up their prospect pool kind of thing. We haven't had a second-round pick for four years, and we're not going to until 2020. 23 now that's you know crazy. so that's a, that's five or six prospects that could be coming up the system yeah. that you know we're missing out now because we're trading for older players kind of thing obviously pavel bujnevich has been probably the best acquisition in blues yeah. history well you got nick still. letty uh I don't, you got nick letty oh uh, yeah defenseman i don't know how you feel about him to kind of help with your defense a little bit yeah, from uh, the red wings at first grew on me a little bit as time has gone on and he hasn't been a liability which is nice yeah so but that's, right, so, that's the main thing yeah you with the blues you can't especially even with that cup roster even if you kept everybody around i highly doubt they repeat you know it's really <laughs> you know, funny it's, that you bring up the whole fear of mediocrity thing because i feel like preds fans feel the same exact way mm-hmm. only obviously minus the stanley cup but we feel this we, we kind of feel the same way like it's like like I kind of said it earlier, it's like, okay, yeah, we made the playoffs. Congratulations. Whoopsie, whoop-de-doo. Like, yeah, it's nice to host a couple playoff games on lower Broadway because it's always a crazy party every year, even in the first round. But it's like, it's like it, you're kind of getting numb to it to where it's just really mm-hmm. not that special. I remember when the Preds first started making the playoffs in the late 2000s, early 2010s. And it was like, it kind of, it sounds sad and you might laugh at it, but it, it was like, the joy of just making it, making it in the playoffs and mm-hmm. getting to play a team like the Detroit Red Wings in the first round was just so special. It's just such a special feeling. And that feeling, yeah. you don't really get that anymore around here, which you shouldn't. You shouldn't get that feeling. Like, you should want more. And so uh, even in a season like this season where we didn't expect to make the playoffs, I can tell you that Preds fans are still going to be very, very disappointed if – they get knocked out of the first round yet again. So, um, yeah, I guess both fan bases are kind of in similar spots, even though. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the big thing, I think, with the Blues, I don't know about the Predators, but when the Blues have good games, they have good games. You know, I've watched, you know, nine or ten games throughout this year where I'm like, oh, my God, this team, if they play like this, they're winning the Cup. They're not just making the Cup. They're winning the Cup. But they just – I don't know if it's a motivation issue. Play, you know, uh, fans on Twitter. I've been calling for Barube's head, which I half agree, half disagree with, kind of thing. But there's just been a lot of internal bickering, you know, over minute little details. But if the mm. Blues just like fo- just hone in those really good games, and I mean really hone in on it, you know, if if Huso's playing out of his mind, I think Huso's going to be game one starter, especially if Bennington keeps playing like this, you know. I have no doubt in my mind. Especially if, you know, this, this team finds that motivation, it finds that reason to kind of fight for, I guess, is the question. I mean, they had uh, that whole Layla story, which kickstart the team kind of thing. That was a big motivation thing. The fans yeah. really rallied around that. You know, if the Blues could just find something like that, then they could win the freaking cup. I will have no doubt in my mind. I will know game one of the playoffs if the Blues are mm. a good playoff team or not. There I you will go. know by then. Well, 
the Preds are definitely guilty of that. I mean, they just got done whooping the Minnesota Wild, who had just won like – Oh, goodness. Yeah, the Minnesota Wild were on an insane hot streak, and then the Preds just roll in and just completely wipe the floor with them. But then the Preds oh, can't beat yeah. te- But then the Preds can't beat teams like the Buffalo Sabers. So did I mean, the Wild just, have like fifty shots on goal that game? They did, <laughs> but a lot of that, a lot of that came in garbage time because they were trying to come back. But of course, uh, a little little misleading. But uh, but they did pile up a lot of shots. Uh, but yeah, so it's just I mean that's the ongoing. Uh, headache of being a diehard hockey fan is you sometimes you gotta sometimes you really just don't know what you're going to get out of your team and uh i feel like both blues and predators are definitely in that same boat when it comes to uh be sometimes looking really good and then sometimes just looking terrible but uh i really hope that the preds can get in the playoffs and and, and be a part of uh, what's going to be a really really good western conference uh playoff uh round you've got the dallas stars who are looking to be there i would Rather see the Dallas Stars get that wild card spot so that Vegas fans can learn what it feels like to be a real team. <laughs> I mean, uh, I no, I think I think <laughs> Predators not obviously not a lock, but I think Predators. Make it. I, I uh, have we'll a see. very hard time thinking otherwise. All right, well, Mason, it's been awesome, man. Again, this has been Mason's joined us who covers uh, the St. Louis Blues for SB Nation. St. Louis game time. Go follow him on Twitter at Blues Fans React. Blues Fan Reacts. And also been on Totes in St. Louis, St. Louis uh, podcast, St. Louis Blues podcast. Mason, it's been a lot of fun, man. Thank you so much for joining us on Catfish on Ice. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Also, subscribe to Blues Fan Reacts on Twitter or on YouTube as well. Do that. Yes, go do that as well. We'll throw you a subscription as well, man. All right, it's been a lot of fun. This has been episode 119 of Catfish on Ice with Chad Minton. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We will see you next week for a new episode. Take care.